Welcome to Stun Stories. I'm Corey Eubanks, and I've got a very special friend today on my on my podcast. I can't wait to introduce to you this gentleman. He's incredible talent. He's not just um, a stuntman. He's an actor. He's a writer. He's a producer. He's a very talented guy. He's so talented that some it's a little annoying sometimes because you have to be around him, and he's just and he's so freaking nice. It's sometimes irritating. He's he's done films like. Tomcats and Planet of the Apes and Live Free or Die Hard, X-Men, First Class, Transformers, Dark of the Moon. He did Ford versus Ferrari. We met each other on a television show called Lethal Weapon. My good friend, Kevin Foster. Thank you, Kevin, for being on Stunt Stories. Well, thanks for having me. I'm excited to, uh, to chat with you. Well, this is about all the time we've got, Kevin. So I want to thank you guys for listening to Stunt Stories. <laughs> Excellent. You, that was the easiest interview ever. Yes. Oh, my gosh. So tell me, um, you and I, I mean, we, we became friends, like, automatically. I mean, I... It was I, great. Well, it was great being trapped in a, in a truck with you for six days is really what happened. You know, because, you know, I, I was lucky enough to uh, be riding shotgun um, for... Uh, almost the whole episode with the famous Corey Eubanks. And uh, it was funny. I mean, we, we, we were in that truck so much that, you know, and both of us, I guess, enjoy meeting new people and, and gabbing endlessly. So it, uh, it worked out really well for both of us. Yeah. It's, it's funny. You don't know this, but when we first got to the base camp on that show on lethal weapon, and I saw that I had to share my dressing room with somebody, I thought, Oh God, seriously, (laughs) And I go up and there's you. I'm like, you look like, you know, handsome man. I'm thinking he's, you know, I don't know, you know, an underwear model. I, I wasn't sure. And I, I thought, oh, great. I got to share this room with this guy. And he turned out to be so freaking nice. I felt bad. Like, I'm like, do I, do I go and apologize to him and say, uh, <laughs> uh, what no, I, it's, it's good years later to get a laugh out of it is, what is it? I mean, it's probably what, four years ago? It was a while ago, wasn't it? Uh, and nobody yeah, knows knew. that when we met, we had to be Elvis Presley impersonators. Remember? Oh, that was so fun because um, Tim, Tim um, Trella, no Tim Trella, but Tim um, Rigby called me, and I was in Atlanta on something else. I think it was either Atlanta or New Orleans, and he's like, uh, "Can you are you, are you available on this day? I was like, Oh yeah, God, I, let me change a flight. And I was like supposed to come back cause I was done with that job. So, you know, kind of rushed back and, and I got back just in time to do it um, because somebody else actually had to drop out of that spot. I think Jim Palmer had that spot and he had a conflict with something else. So um, it was just a lot of luck that I got to be in there and how fun was it being Elvis impersonators on Hollywood Boulevard in front of Grauman's Chinese theater. <laughs> I swear I've never had so many people ask to take a picture of me in my life. I know. I think we made like 15 bucks that day. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> people were paying us. That oh, was it classic. Was great. It was so, so, so then <clears throat> I forget how we started talking and then all of a sudden it kind of gravitated into writing and well, I, you know, you, I don't think remember this. I don't know if you remember it now, but we talked years ago. We had met a handful of times a long time ago. And I knew that you were, somebody told me you were making movies and, and I, God, 
I don't know if we were working together, but it was on some set and I started picking your brain about it and how you were, you know, doing foreign pre-sales and that kind of thing. And, and I picked your brain about it for, I don't know, a good 15 minutes. Um, and yeah, so, so I already knew going into that day that you had done a lot of stuff and you're, you're really proactive. And so um, we started, started talking about writing and you had some projects and I kind of make it a point too, whenever I'm working, you know, I like to bring up the fact, you know, just in conversation that I'm a writer too, because that's, you know, something I want people to know because, you know, that's how anything gets done in the business. So I'm always talking about writing anyway. And then you, you're always, you've always got 15 side projects going. So, you know, you had the Hunter script and we started chatting about it and, and I don't know, we just had a great time in that truck. And, and then on the last day, I remember you asked if I would read it. And uh, yeah, I re- yeah, I read it and I loved it. And, and then you, you rewrote the whole thing. Yeah. And, and then I threw away everything you did. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, and made it good. <laughs> uh, no, no I, it was already good. But, you know. I, I knew when I was talking to you that, that, cause I've, you know, spoken to a lot of writers and I'm like, this guy really, I mean, did he go to college to learn how to write? I mean, how did how did you learn the art of screen of telling a story and writing a screenplay? You know what's weird? The first time I was ever conscious of being able to write, I know exactly the moment. I was a senior in high school, and I had written. We had to write like a one page thing. I don't even know what the assignment was, but I wrote this little account of. A night, I was at gymnastics camp over the summer, and it was blazing hot. And our little dorm was the the second floor of this cabin. And there was there had to be 20 or 30 of us in this big dorm room. And my friend was sleeping in the bed next to me, not in the same bed next to me, in the bed next to me. And he had a fan that was like oscillating between us. And, and every moment it was on me was bliss and every moment it panned away from me to hit him i was dying and <laughs> i it was such a jerk i was like I, this is how miserable i was i i actually thought he fell asleep so i stopped it oscillating aiming at me <laughs> <laughs> and then yeah. he, i i guess he woke up and he's like what are you doing <laughs> he put it back and it was his fan and that's how blazing how it was. Anyway, I told this account in detail of like even sitting up and my back peeling off the plastic of the bed, like uh. just really detailed. And I remember sitting senior year, it was like a page and a half long and it was, the room was quiet and my English teacher just out of nowhere goes, Kevin. And I was, I was scared. I was like, what did I do? She goes, this is really good. <laughs> and I was like, oh, thank you. And I don't know, that was the first time I was ever conscious of actually being able to write. And, and, and then as far as screenwriting goes, I remember the first script I wrote was terrible. It was 180 pages long. It oh, didn't have man, any spine. A... It was random events that were random, funny and dramatic events from college thrown into the computer and called a screenplay. And it was just terrible. It was like, I would have, I literally had, I remember there was a half a page of nothing but camera direction where I was talking about where, how the cameras moved. Yeah. And then I, right. It was terrible. And so through that, through rewriting that over and over, like having people read it, 
Some people are just friends who have nothing to do with business. Some people were writers, given a variety of people through 12 drafts of that. I actually learned how to write for the screen. Do, do you think it's a handicap when people find out you're a stuntman? Cause you're also an actor. You've also, <clears throat> I mean, right. some, some good days of our lives. You were in, right. in, uh, Iron Man. Iron Man is a big one that, people recognize yeah um but but do you think um i mean i mean the jurassic park last ship you've done a lot of acting but do you think that because they find out you're a stuntman well you can't spell because you're a stuntman right right well let's put it this way you you brought up iron man on that movie it was the day after we shot that scene and tom harper came and told me what john favreau said to him while they were watching dailies that morning they watched dailies and Favreau turned to Tom and he said, well, congratulations. You finally put it to rest that stuntmen can't act. No. And after watching. Yeah. He said that to Tom. And wait, 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 that wait. Was like, hang on a second. Hey, can or can't? Can't. He said, you put it to rest that stuntmen can't act. Meaning, oh, you finally found a stuntman who can act. Oh, <laughs> so my. Okay. That's, okay. that's our reputation as actors. Yes. In the business. And it's warranted a lot of the time because a lot of times people say, you know, here's a dead giveaway when a stuntman cannot act. They have on the resume good with dialogue. <laughs> that, that means you're not an actor. If that's what, <laughs> like, what do you mean? You can speak English coherently? Uh, I don't know. Um, you know what mine says? Mine says mediocre with dialogue. <laughs> that's great. <laughs> That's perfect. Undersell um, it. That's the undersell- way to go. Yeah. <laughs> right? Because <laughs> then they go, oh, God. Okay. Oh, wow. And then if you can, you know, but I've, I've been to auditions where it's like, you know, casting people dread the the casting sessions where they're bringing in stunt people. Yes. Because most are not trained actors, you know? So but there's, a, there's a handful. There's a, there's a good bunch that are trained actors, but, you know, there's a lot of people that go, oh, yeah, good with dialogue. I can act. I can, you know, and then they come in and it's like, well, okay, but you can say freeze police and kick down a door and then handcuffs. Like there's a difference in the levels of actually being a trained actor versus I can pull off, you know, these, you know, uh, line, these parts that are a couple of lines, you know. But what gets Um, me is when there will be a casting director and I know many because I, I directed myself. I, I not me. Mm-hmm. I didn't direct me. I've directed. I've worked as a director. Right. Episodic. I've done 21 one-hour TV shows and a couple of feature films that I directed. So I, I, I've sat with a lot of casting directors. And they'll be like, when I, whenever I try to bring somebody in who's a stuntman, stuntwoman to play a part, they're like, Corey, why don't we just let the actors do the acting and let the stunt performers do the stunts? And I'm like, but mm-hmm. they can do both. Then they'll bring some actor in, some guy, and they're like, oh, he's a really good actor. Oh, and Corey, he can do his own stunts. Oh. I'm like, wait a minute. <laughs> Have you experienced that? Yeah. Uh, I, I have not had the experience with casting that you have. Um, I've, anytime I've been on the casting side of the table, it's been a project that I'm doing on my own. So I... You know, I kind of, you know, it's kind of project where it's like, well, whatever I say goes. <laughs> so, so I don't, I don't have anybody to answer to. So when I want, 
you know, so like in, in the movie I directed, I, I put a few uh, stunt people in acting spots and it's, I knew they could already act. You know, I had, I had already seen their work and everything. And, and I knew that they were things they could handle and they did a great job. Um, but I do think, you know, yes, to, the short answer to your request is yes, it is a handicap. I think with anything, even with writing, if people know I'm a stuntman, I would think, oh, well, he's not, you know, if they meet me as a stuntman and then I go, I'm a writer, I feel like they're always, without saying it, going, yeah, get in line. So is everybody else, you yeah, know? Yeah. yeah. Uh, and so, yeah, I, uh, I, I, I do feel like it is a handicap, but then there are people more in features, not in TV, more in features, people are willing to take a chance and go, hey, let's get a two for one because, mm-hmm. and I feel like, like a, a feature is a one-off. It's like, it's only got to work for a day. Right? Yeah. We only have to get a day out of it. And TV, TV is such a machine. Maybe not anymore. I'm talking network TV. Network TV yeah. is such a machine that they just go, oh, it's more than five lines. All right, actor and stunt double. And if it's like three or four or less, they go, oh, we can get a stunt actor and save money. And it's, it's almost like an automatic decision. I asked Merritt Yonka once. I said, at what what point does that decision get made so you've got a script you got a part who's let's say a security guard and he says five lines where in the process does somebody make the decision this is a stunt actor or it's an actor and a stunt double and he couldn't answer the question he didn't know and what that told me was oh tv has been made like this for so long that nobody even questions it it's just yeah, the decision was made decades ago, and they're just following it. That's crazy. But in features, you know, in features, Favreau could have easily said actor and stunt double for my part, right? And other projects too, but he didn't. I don't know why. You know, maybe he just thought, oh, it's a one-off thing. We can do it. Um, who knows? Yeah, it's funny. You know? I I I played a little part on Lone Star Nine One One, and because mm-hmm. they wanted to save money have, have me do the driving. They don't have to have a tow rig and they could shoot, you know, film my face as playing the part. And then there's a, I do a cannon roll. There's an explosion and the guy, I get all burned. And then there's a, the aftermath, they pull me out of the vehicle and I thought, okay, great. They're, they're really though, taking a, a, a gamble because yeah. what if I had gotten injured during the cannon roll and really did get burned? Cause we had a, Jimmy Lorimer, the special effects man, made a beautiful explosion that kind of wrapped the vehicle as it was tumbling. And I thought to myself, they're trying to save money, but they could have really shot themselves in the foot because mm-hmm. they, they would have all the establishing shots to see, oh, Corey's playing this part, all the lead up stuff to the stunt. Bam, he does the stunt, but then he goes to the hospital and we can't shoot the rest of our scene with Rob Lowe where I'm being loaded up into the ambulance. And I thought, I wonder if they're even a if they're just completely oblivious to that, or did they just say, we know we're taking a gamble? I don't know. What do you think? Uh, I, I think they thought there's no chance you're going to the hospital. That's my guess. That's my guess. Hmm. Um, but I also know that show is pretty disorganized. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, uh, nine, like I'm assuming, you know, uh, Lone Star is the same as nine one one. I think it is, from what I've heard. I don't know. I was know, only on it that one that one episode. Thing. Hey, I see here that you did Jarhead. 
What the heck? I did do Jarhead. Dude, that was awesome. Tell me I about stood that. On, okay, so it was great. There was a whole bunch of us. Um, it was right in the beginning of the movie. And so it was like, I don't know, a dozen of us stunt guys were the soldiers in the barracks when Jake Gyllenhaal shows up for the first time. And it, as he walks through the door, um, I'm getting branded with the letters USMC on my leg from Jeremy Fitzgerald. He was holding, so it was what they did. They had a, a coat hanger or like a wire hanger and it was bent into the letters USMC. They were heating it with a blowtorch. I remember funny this. I, yeah, yeah. I, I was getting branded <clears throat> as he walked in the door and they had it stunt guys because we had to rough up Jake and they didn't want actors doing that. So. It was funny because, I mean, we had, at the time, we were always bowling on Tuesday nights, a bunch of stunt people down in Mar Vista. Every one of my friends had a shaved head. We all looked the same. It was great. <laughs> um, and that was a fun experience. Um, I, it was because we, after I get branded, now we act like we're going to brand Jake. And so we all grab him and he's really fighting us. And we pin him to the ground. I think we tied his wrist to the bed. And then I had the fresh brand that was still bleeding from a couple minutes before. And I, uh, I go over and I had a couple lines. I'm yelling at Jake and I stood on his chest and, and I, uh, it, it was funny. I remember the shot because it was a very well-known camera operator. I can't remember his name, but I remember that's where I realized I really enjoy interacting with operators because a lot can get done between the performer and a camera operator that nobody's ever aware of, but it makes the shot. Yes. <laughs> right. And I'm yes. sure you've noticed that. Oh yes. Right. That's where I first noticed it because I step on his chest and I have a line and then there's a the, like cut to react to him. But the first thing, the camera's on the brand as Jake's POV. And then he tilts up to my face for my second line. And he, he gave me a note. He's like, wait another second before you deliver that line so I can get on you, you know? And I was like, great. Nobody ever, nobody else is even aware of that little subtle thing is happening, but it makes the shot work. Right. And I just love, that's where I realized I love camera operators. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but that whole experience was fun. But the, the problem with that is, <clears throat> so Sam Mendez directed that and he really wanted, we had a rehearsal day, really just for the acting. And the tech advisor was in saying, okay, you guys would be saying stuff like this and stuff like this. And everyone was allowed to just improv. Oh, no kidding. In the, it was great. Um, the only bad thing was he spent us on the rehearsal day. So everyone lost their voice. And then going into the shoot, the shoot day was the next day. But everyone had like laryngitis because we were screaming so much the day before. <laughs> I was like, can we please save this for camera? <laughs> um, but yeah, so we were, we were all pretty struggling on the shoot day. We made it, made it work. Somehow we pushed through and got, got the, the anger out. <laughs> hey, what did, what did you get to do on the TV show SWAT? SWAT was another stunt acting thing. I think I had one or two lines and then get shot. And I, I've been telling people that lately. I'm like, long runs are not really what I do. This one I just came off of, um, a movie called Fast Charlie. I was on for five and a half weeks, doubling Pierce Brosnan. That's the longest run I've had in 20 years. 
Oh, wow. Okay. Can you believe that? Five weeks. Because I am perpetually two lines and die. That's what I do. How many times have and you been so, killed, do you think? Oh, <laughs> I, I think I've been on, I think somewhere 100, 110, 120 projects. I, I probably died in half of them. <laughs> I think that's my guess. I could go, I could go through my resume and go died in that, died in that, yeah. survive that, survive that. I really could. It's like um, years ago, there was, there was a good friend of mine named Carl Serfalio. And whenever you would see mm-hmm. Carl in a movie, you know, I used to reach over to my kids and go see that guy right there. Yeah, he's going to die. <laughs> <laughs> well, hey, you know who else is my, my favorite one of those is uh, Tommy Rosales. Yes. Right? Yeah. Anytime you see him, it's like, hey, everything's calm. We're all chill. Oh, there's Tommy Rosales. Oh, boy. Yeah. Stuff's about to hit the fan. Gun battle's going to happen any second. <laughs> That's right? like, exactly. <laughs> that guy's not making, out, uh, making it out alive. Nope. <laughs> and this, we always do that, too. It's like my friend. The, the first time he saw me after he watched Iron Man, he goes, hey, you ruined the first hour of Iron Man for me. Because all I can think of was, oh, my God, that was Kevin. You know? Like, <laughs> yeah. oh. So, so um, if, if you had your druthers, if you, someone said, hey, we're going we're gonna to fund whatever you want to do. What, what is yeah. it? Do you want to say, okay, give me, give me an office at some studio so I could write a, or take one of my screenplays and do a feature? Or would you want to act in one of your own what would you do what would kevin foster what's on your wish list good question i i am really ready to start making my living as a writer um and not need to do anything like i would still want to act and do stunts but project by project go oh i would love to play this part or um oh this is a movie i wrote that i think i would really love to direct or like our show, The Hunter, I would love to direct one of the episodes that I wrote the treatment for, the, the dream episode. Um, and really project by project. But there's other things I wrote, like, okay, this movie, The Conduit, um, that is right now optioned. Actually, the option's probably going to run out very soon. I got to look at that. But I don't need to direct it. I wrote, like, I'm happy just having written it. Mm-hmm. And if I make some money on it, I would love it to be a good movie. I would love people to see it, but I don't need to direct it. Um, but I do, I'll tell you one, one fantasy that comes back to me. I want to, I want to be hired as a stunt double on a movie I wrote. Oh my I think gosh. It, right. I think it would be really cool to do that. I don't like, think just that, be there as a stunt guy. I don't think that's ever happened. I don't think that's ever happened. <laughs> No, that's I can't. Yeah, I can't imagine it. No, I can't. I mean, th- that's never happened. That you would be the first. And I, <laughs> I think that would be pretty fun. <laughs> and and they're like, hey, uh, sit down and shut up, stunt guy. Um, okay, yeah, but I wrote the words you're saying. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? And I'm, you screwed I'm, them all up. You screwed them. I all can up. rewrite them. <laughs> I can, yeah, I can change what's about to come out of your mouth. Um, yeah. <laughs> but I think it would be really fun. And and just business wise. I think you should always have the writer on set whenever you're shooting anything. It can only help unless the writer's a jerk and, you know, difficult. But if the writer is production friendly, it can only help. Like I, I wrote um, Sarah Holden. I wrote her short. Oh, she did made. you really? That the one that she did yeah. the pipe ramp? Yeah. I didn't know so that. We, I did. Yeah. 
And and we had a couple meetings and it was fun. And she's such a fun gal too, right? She's just she's a bucket of energy and just good to hang she out with. She is a she's a pistol. She's a great human. Yeah, being. yeah, she's awesome. And so, um, Steve Shriver gave her my name when she was you know first had the idea and somebody said, hey, you should make a whole scene out of it. Don't just do the stunt. And then we started talking and I go, well, don't just make a scene, make a short out of it. <laughs> So, um, then it's like, we don't, make, a don't make a short, don't make a short, make a movie. Yeah. Make a feat. Yeah. yeah. Geez. Um, so, uh, we started talking and then, and then we met, uh, over coffee for a couple hours and chats through ideas back and forth. And kind of, I, I really try to feel out what people are going for as far as genre length, budget, um, any message they want to convey in whatever they're doing and really learn the person and what they're trying to get out of the project, right? And then, you know, we talked on the phone a couple of times. And then one day she called me up. She goes, so you're going to write my thing or what? <laughs> I go, <laughs> I go we're, it's not ready yet. I was like, we're, we're not quite there. We need to have a conversation because, it, you know, uh, it's, it's even hard to describe why I say it's not ready yet. It just wasn't there. Like, I didn't see it yet. I didn't see everything lining up as far as budget story, the, her goals and all that. But in that conversation, it became ready. And at the end of the conversation, I was like, okay, I'll write it. And then I went off and I you know, outlined it. And then after I outlined it, I swear to God, it was eight and a half pages and I knocked it out in four hours. Oh, I don't doubt That's it. A, you, you, that was the fastest I've ever written. You have blown my mind on stuff. What oh, I really appreciated about you. working with you on writing is when I would come to you with like a really stupid idea, you you would always you you were always so polite and so, such kid gloves and on how you were going to let me know that it was a stupid idea. <laughs> I don't remember any stupid ideas. I remember, and it's most of the time this is what happens. It's a really good idea that doesn't fit this puzzle. You know what I mean? I mean because you're not an idiot. You've got good taste. You're a normal guy. You're not, you're not crazy. So it, when you have an idea, when somebody else has a director, another writer, a producer, an actor, the ideas, when, when looked at through a lens that only fits the idea, is brilliant, right? It's really good. It's fun, whatever. It's funny, whatever it is. But when you widen the lens and you look at the whole thing, it's like, for whatever reason, it doesn't fit this project. It doesn't fit this movie. Like I like to say sometimes, that's a great idea for a different movie. <laughs> yeah, <I laughs> you know, that's that's a perfect way of putting it. Yeah, that's yeah. Because then you're not offended. Like he said, it was a great idea. <laughs> yeah, and 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 honestly, most of the time that's what happens. It's been very few times where I go, well, that's stupid. <laughs> you know, or with anybody. You, you, you know? know what? I, I I think the one thing also that the industry is starting to kind of catch on. There's a lot of really talented stuntmen and stunt women. You know, mm -hmm. Shauna Duggins has been directing, and yeah. you you've got to step back as a producer and say, okay, when you're in the stunt business, you're a stunt performer. Like you were talking about working with the camera operator. You're also working with the DP, the director of photography. You're also working with the grips, working with the special effects mm -hmm. men. We work with the picture vehicle guys. We work with everybody, hair, makeup, wardrobe. Every, we, we are so 
in in tune and in sync yeah. and working with every department on the set. And yeah. it's it, so when you go to direct, you're like, nope, we don't need that. We're not going to see it. Or yes, yeah. we do need this. I, I, and, and we know, and we've worked with some of the best directors in the world. Those are our teachers. Yeah. It just makes sense, man. It's like, if I don't know if you ever had a chance to work with David Ellis, who's no longer with us. Did you ever meet David? I did not. No, I never met him. They're, they're perfect, perfect example of just get things done. It looks spectacular. Never wasted time. It's just, um, yeah. Efficient. Uh, efficient. Yes. That's the yeah. word. It, you're right. I never really thought of it that way. How we do communicate and collaborate with so many different departments, hair, makeup, background, AD department. Yes. I, I can't, I remember being on one of the soaps I was on and I had, no, I wasn't on a soap. It was a different show. And I had a stand-in who was there just to stand in for me. And he was a pro and he would come to me when I was called to say, he would come to me and explain the entire scene to me. Every, every mark I had to hit and when, and I was like, dude, I know what I'm doing now. And I just got here. (laughs) And it turns out we started talking really nice guy too. He was a regular on a soap for like a couple of years. So he knew what he wanted as an actor from the stand, like how he was helped, how he could be helped by his stand-ins. And he just did that for me. Wow. And I was like, that was amazing. But you're right. We do like the effects department too. You can go, I remember being on a show and there was explosions going off and, and uh, we, me and another guy, Alex Chancy, we had to go over the edge of the bridge and fall, I don't know, eight feet into some porta pits or whatever. But we had to go off the explosion and because the explosion is what was sending us over. But it was a kind of thing where our choreography started like a couple seconds before. So it was really imperative that we knew when that explosion was going to go. So everything lined up right and it didn't look goofy like we weren't going before or after the explosion. So we just went straight to the guy who was blowing the uh the mortar with all the cork and dust and everything. Yeah. We just went to the mortar guy and go, look, be honest with us. How much delay is there from the time you hit the button till the time it goes. And it was like a lot of coordinators would be like, no, go through me on everything. And it's like, wow, that just slows the process down. So you're right. We do have, I mean, God, I never thought about it before, but we interact with almost everybody. Yes. And, and, and know their, their needs. And what, and also, there's been times that that I've had makeup and hair. People will, well, Corey, what, how, how much of the, you know, how much of you are, the, are we going to see? I'm like, it's a night yeah. shot. I'm in a car with the windows up, and I've got the light bars on from the police car, so that's going to be blinding. You're, I'm going to be a silhouette, so I don't think we need to really worry about how long my hair is or isn't, you know. And a good way to get them on board with listening to that, because their nightmare is when they don't do it and it's a freaking close up on the thing they didn't do. That's their nightmare. So the good way to buy yourself credibility is when you go to them and go, Hey, they're really zooming in on me on this. Right. (laughs) And they go, thank you. And they really pay attention. They really put the effort in and they get you a hundred percent for that. Then when you go to them and go, we're not seeing me, then they're, you know, they're cool. They go, okay, I trust you. They trust you. you. Yeah. 
but going back to like Sarah Holden's project, there's a thing in there that bugged me. And if I had been on set, I go, no, 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 guys, the intention here, this is a reveal here where we don't know if she's hurt or dead or what. If you start the shot, if you cut into a shot where you're already on her crawling, there's no reveal. That's a, that's a weak thing. You got to be behind the car. All we see is the car, and suddenly she stands up on the other side of the car. That's your reveal. There's no tension if you just cut to her, right? That's why you have the writer on set whenever you can. Some people don't, on the production side or directors, some people don't think that way. But I have a feeling most writers do yeah. because we know where things can go wrong. Right. The, why that and scene was written for what? what yeah. What's why? the ob- objective exactly. of that scene? Totally yeah. get it. Yeah. What's the objective? What's the objective of this line, of this shot? When can you change a line? When can you not? You know, it's really good to allow actors to ad lib and to um, paraphrase because it the, the more they don't know what's coming out of their mouth at any moment, the more it looks like they don't know what's coming out of their mouth, which is real. That's reality, right? But sometimes you've got to say the lines exactly as written. And only the writer knows which ones are which. You, you know what? I used to write with Ron Howard's dad, Rance. I remember that. Rance yeah. Howard. And I went to, we were writing this movie and uh, that I, w- I directed, and, and he played a part in it, and so did his son, Clint Howard. Wait, was that too busy? Oh, Clint was in it. <clears throat> I'm reading their book right now. Ron oh, and Clint have a book. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. I'll it's be, really good. I'll be damned. Yeah, I've done two movies with Ron and 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 watching him, you know, going that's like going to film school, watching I feel one yeah. of the best storytellers in the world, but yeah, I I was writing this this scene and I was so excited to show it to Rance cuz I'd go to his house in Burbank and mm-hmm. to, to Luca Lake and and I I brought this three-page scene that I spent like I don't know, you know, a long time, like probably 4 days working on it, just composing it and everything. And Rance sat there and he he read it and kind of had that look on his face like, hmm, hmm. And he, <laughs> was it a needs work look? It, it was oh. it, it was a confused look. Okay. <laughs> and he, he laid down the papers and he says, Well, Corey, that that's a lot of that's a lot of dialogue and a lot of a lot of words. How about how about the guy just has a look of confusion on his face and doesn't say anything? <laughs> and it was funny because what he said, what he did, would created suspense, a little bit of mystery, yeah. and was actually more powerful than than coming out and just. My problem was I wanted to spell everything out, connect all of the dots, yeah. so nobody had to use their imagination, and it was ruining it. And I'm like, wow, okay. man, less is more. He was he was a great writer. Yeah, you know, he was reading the book. He was, seemed like he was good at a lot of things. You know, he was a good actor, um, which, you know, you know, Ron and Clint talk about, you know, his career didn't take off like he had hoped. But, you know, once the boys started acting, he kind of shifted his focus to making their careers, like especially when when Ron hit the jackpot on the Andy Griffith show. Yeah, it's like oh, he he recognized oh, well, this you, is what's taking off. <laughs> but, but you know that while he was doing Andy Griffith's show in Florida, Rance and Clint were doing Gentle Ben 
with Dennis Weaver. Right, right. I read that part of the book already. Yeah. How about yeah. that? How about your both sides? I mean, that's, yeah, how much time, too, they were apart, you know? Oh, the family I, was split in half, coast to coast. I, I got to tell you a quick funny story real quick about Dennis Weaver. Now, you know that movie he did that Steven Spielberg directed? It was called Duel. Oh, my God. I'm watching the Spielberg documentary on HBO Max right now. Seriously? Wow. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. in that movie, Duel, where, you know, uh, Dennis Weaver's just a businessman traveling cross country, and he's chased mm-hmm. by this truck, right? Well, mm-hmm. in the movie I wrote and directed called Two Bits and Pepper, I had right. Dennis Weaver playing the small town sheriff. And, oh. and we were doing this towing shot, and I thought it would be funny, and I, I jump off the process trailer and i'm in the insert truck and i run to the process trailer and i'm like hey mr weaver i I was thinking when we're when we're coming down the road here off just behind you there's a side street i'll have a big oil tanker this old oil tanker will come out and just start following you and then it'll get up and, and it'll start bumping the rear end of your car and he looks at me and he goes that's already been done (laughs) <laughs> oh that's great yeah. you were obviously kidding i was kidding yeah I was, okay good. <laughs> I was like, yeah. oh my god that's great well i thought that was so talk about a pro man what a guy talk about you're talking about hitting your mark and kn- knowing your dialogue and and finding your key light and un- you know uh revealing for camera i mean dennis weaver i mean he was you know my gosh it all so many shows and Phenomenal actor, great human being to work with. He was great. Yeah. Hey, yeah, it's, it's, go ahead. Well, no, no, go ahead. What are you going to say? Well, it, it's funny how, you know, you're talking about um, as stunt performers, we deal with so many different departments and, and you can see the difference. Like you, I'm sure you says after I directed my movie, when I was on other sets, I feel, I call it like, I could finally see the field, like to steal a line from Bagger Vance. He's like, you got to see the field and you're not seeing the field. right? And I could finally see the field. I had this really strong grasp on the entire process. And I suddenly could see places where I could make it go smoother that I couldn't see before. Mm-hmm. And and that really was, I think, a product of me writing, directing, and producing my own project. Um, and and that's, you know, the difference between somebody who has been around on a lot of sets, on a lot of jobs, and somebody who's talented but new. They don't see those things. So you talk about a guy like Dennis Lever, he knows how to make your job. You know who else was like that? Um, Bill Paxson, the late, great Bill Paxson. Oh, what really? a great guy. He yeah. was like that. I worked with him on uh, training day just this summer. I remember he was so sad. He was telling us that he was going to have surgery in a couple months, and that's the surgery where he died. Oh, no kidding. And Yeah, but I watched him. He was paired with a young actor who was good but not as experienced anywhere near, and <clears throat> I could see Bill – like helping out, pointing him in the right direction, pointing other departments in the right direction. When stuff was kind of getting squirrely and like a little hectic when it didn't need to be, Bill would just step in and go, okay, no, here, you just do this. You do this. Oh, what a sweetheart. What a right? nice, yeah. And it was, and it was really, 
I mean, it just, he would just smooth out rough patches where he could. And that, that was not his job to do that. Right. right? It was just, but, but it, he'd been around so much that he could do that. Yeah. Gosh, it's nice to work with people like that. Mm-hmm. Well, Kevin, listen, I got to tell you something. I've really enjoyed this. I hope everybody listening has enjoyed listening to you and your stories. And I mean, we could go on for hours and maybe, oh, yeah. maybe what we could do is get you back on another stunt stories. Absolutely. I would love it. I have a great time talking to you anytime. And also, um, about, you know, I, I love the job I do. So talking about it is really fun. Well, thank you so much. And everybody, thank you for listening to stunt stories. See you next time. Hear you next time. Listen to you next time.